0: Hi there. You're listening to the Venture Builder Map podcast. My name is Andries DeVos. I'm the co-founder of Slash, a Singapore-based venture builder. Every week I come together with brilliant minds to talk about how venture building is changing the way startups are incubated and corporate innovation is evolving. guest today is Thomason Chen, the founder and CEO of Singapore-based Grateful, a cloud kitchen platform. Thomas Sun is a lifetime entrepreneur who built many businesses and exited too. Back in 2019, we worked on a new venture together as well, a fractional ownership prop tech company. I admire his disciplined and thoughtful venture building style, always adjusted to the problem research, concept validation, and product market fit outcome that he's trying to achieve. He could very much be a poster boy for the Lean Startup book. Tommy, it's such a pleasure having you as a guest and exploring my venture building thesis together. When you're taking on an idea like a new project or a new venture, what are the, the criteria you're measuring it by? You know, you hear Sequoia saying we need team market product, like, yeah, like yeah. from an investment standpoint, right? From a venture standpoint, what are the, what are the criteria you look at?
1: Uh, so breaking down the chasm like zero to one, let's just say that's where you're starting, right? First thing you need is an opportunity. That's it. And you need a launch pad because everything else you can acquire, you can ask guys like me, you can ask Andreas, you can ask, uh, you, can, you can pull together resources, all make significantly better than you are. You can train up individuals who can do it. But every solid business I know of has had that opportunity in that launch pad. But those are the two fundamental things. And that launch pad is your first niche market. It's your first marketing. It's your first initial go to market that broadens who you are and gets you to the middle of that curve to the adaptation i mean we've all seen this a million times right and those opportunities come from like conversations come from us discussing it and us finding other people oh that's your problem i've tried to solve other people's problems for a long time too and that never really worked out for me because they weren't actually my problems i didn't really feel them. everything that i solved that was a big problem was something that i've encountered for myself every time i've had significant success it was my own problem
0: and, and why do you think it is, is this because of passion like that you felt that otherwise you were a mercenary to someone else's mission
1: Yes, it could have been those things, but fundamentally immersion into the problem and then uh, connection. So that launch pack. So now it's actually working out a lot better. So in terms of me jumping in, finding co-founders or helping businesses, I like, take a leap forward because immersion into that, that opportunity, that problem is also immersion into that industry and sector. So that means you have dozens of connections that you can leverage on and that leads you to your launch pack.
0: If you take that to the next the kind of logical conclusion, would it make more sense for you just to focus primarily on one sector? Let's say f businesses, because I know you've, you've built an f business before that you sold. Like, wouldn't you then try to become a sector specialist because you already know, you've already you already immersed yourself into the problem space, into that industry, into the right contacts, and then you maybe just kind of rinse and repeat. You build one business, you sell it, which you've done once. You've done actually twice as far as I know, and then you, you build a second one, rinse and repeat, et cetera.
1: And this is also a personal journey. I mean, that's what this in your life is going to be. So you have to decide. I, I personally made the mistake of jumping sectors too fast. Um, I thought I nailed food and beverage. I thought I just crushed it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do something a little more difficult now. And then uh, like five years later, I came back with a great plan for food and beverage. and I was like, I should have never left in the first place. So it's about you. It's about where you are and who you are. But the one single piece of advice that I can give comes from a book called Smart Cuts. And it's called Jumping the Ladder. Mm-hmm. So I, I recommend everybody read that. So it's just about how, how people advance in life at an unbelievable pace. What you, sh- what you need to be doing is leveraging your experience and how people view you and your, um, like your, your personal popularity and your acceptance to jump the ladder, to take the switch from one industry to the next, using that influence that you've bought and then that, that credibility to start a couple rungs above where you'd have to begin at the bottom of another, of another industry.
0: So when when you said that you know you did an F business and you said it was interesting you know you 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 thought you nailed it then you go to another sector was it intellectual curiosity lifestyle aspirations of sorts uh, ego or was it just commercial opportunity or what was it
1: all of those things equally because I sought out um, I sought out uh, opportunities uh, I could I could build you a list of the things in which I tried to pursue and they came from. Like uh, insufficiencies in in what I thought to be our my life and our world. Uh, there's a popular quote. I'm going to butcher it, but it's um, the world's built on outdated rules. It's so true in every turn you take. And then it's about my ego, about what I think I can take on, about how far I can leapfrog myself in somebody else's industry, about an opportunity that truly presents itself, and my capability of emerging myself in those in the people and in that sector so that I can gather all the opportunities and optionality that's necessary for me to springboard off of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I I can totally recognize that. I I think I have something similar. uh, Because if I look at my business now, and and sort of what I've done, we've been operating in 10 different sectors. And sometimes I wonder why the hell did we like to diverge instead of just going for fintech, for example, and sticking to that. And, uh, and then I think it's a matter of of um, of passion, impact, loving the game of building yeah. a startup. If I would just optimize for short term gains, you could probably argue, okay, let's do five or ten bets in the same sector, and then one of them will work out and we synergize, right? And who knows, the one that works out can buy the other ones, and then no matter what, your assets are somehow you know monetizable or liquid. So yeah, I, I can I can recognize that. What are you optimizing for though what is what is your measure of success?
1: What is my measure of success and what do I optimize for and what am I looking for? is like as I ta- as I am talking, I see the recognition in your eyes about like this is exactly how you go about it too and, and how deeply personal it is It's about us right It's about um, us taking our template as the type of professional we are and taking it to other places and we feel that it fits and it, we put together all the moving pieces but there is some depth and detail that we need in order to you know, rocket ship something forward. And then so that's the second thing you can de- dig significantly deeper into an industry, but you've already solved your first level layer problems, and you're getting to layer two layer three layer, or which are a little more difficult and less superficial. And there's less of an audience for but you become deeper, you become an expert. That that's definitely true. You also have to look at your industry in terms of its potential and its rise. So that's catching a wave. I always have this saying where if you just work, your ass off just work as hard as you possibly could you can definitely make a a million dollars ten million dollar company just through the sweat off your back but it won't get to a hundred plus if you're not riding some form of trend or weight and then so being a pattern recognition in terms of how or where an industry is going it's just it makes your life easier so and i know we've all sweat and just stayed up like working 20 hour days for like months at a time trying to build something and on the flip side of that, I've done equally successful or equally well working just a like four eight hour days based off the trend in popularity.
0: So, what are the criteria you look for in co-founders? Then, like, is it a complementary skill set? Is it complementary access to market?
1: Uh, wh- uh, what is it? Okay, so this applies to co-founders or this pro- uh, applies to portfolio building. So. Um, uh, the, and the only thing that I've ever looked for in anybody is hustle. Okay. So you just a superb amount of it that will surpass, surmount that first hill, that second hill, and just won't stop them from keeping going. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing you need. You, you can't motivate somebody and teach them all the things that they need to, you need to teach them because you need to just be teaching and you need them to be picking up at a, a pace of like 200%. And then applying and be like, Oh my God, I can use that right away. I can use that right away. And then taking that to, to the areas where they think they can apply the most leverage. So that's the first thing. The next thing is a genuine problem mm-hmm. and accessibility yeah. to an industry.
0: As an operator, what's the right portfolio of ideas like, and why? So how do you balance it out? Because so in my case, I wanted to build a team around me. So I didn't want to be a solo, uh, like an individual, standalone who's partnering as a co-founder. I wanted to build a team around me so I could have a portfolio where I'm actively developing four to six IDs a year, at least at the current pace. Out of that, four or so IDs are IDs where I have a smaller stake. And so basically 10, 20%, and then one or two ideas a year where I have a majority stake. So that's sort of the, the structure I've created around myself. In order to create that, I need a big team. I'm not sure if that's the right formula. It's partially driven by my own biases and my own uh, ambition and preferences, and we're obviously tweaking that model. It's sometimes confusing because it's a big portfolio. And I sometimes I wonder, okay, would I have had more results if I would have been one person doing two IDs at any given time per year, and then having some freelancers, trusted people that I can contract, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as needed to, to kind of work on things. And um, these are just kind of open questions. But I don't know, how, how are you thinking about your framework?
1: First and fundamentally, you trust other people and you leverage your, your strong suits. For you, it's, it's tech. And it's consultation. And it's the understanding of how to structure and build a startup. So I guarantee you in every portfolio company you build, you take a stance there and you, you give them a framework and structure. Beyond that, you will you help them build their tech. So that's a whole piece off somebody's mind. They don't ever have to think of that ever again. They, they know you've got their back. And if you can take a couple more pieces off that, they can only focus on their problem and the industry of growth in which they're in. Whether those are like uh, HR, accounting, those are super easy to take. And you should definitely take those, right? Because you don't want somebody buried in that nonsense. Uh, resources, marketing teams, uh, like even social marketing, managing. Never make your portfolio managers deep dive into the areas to learn a new skill set or an area. Bring an expert in there to elevate what they need and can propose and provide into this uh, scenario. Uh, I had a second thing today, but it floated off the top of my head, but no, you're you're exactly right. that That is the value that you bring in. And um the fundamental underlying basis of all of this is skin in the game. That person yeah. doesn't have skin in the game, and it's not just it's not just the equity that you gave them, but like money into the company itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have that. You need to have proof and validation that they're here for, for the long run for the fight because the fights gonna get really hard. Beyond that, dividing it between what you do, um, yourself and what you do with somebody else. So again, a balance of knowledge and resources in that field, like industry hopping is fun, but it's hazardous. We just, we just don't know the ins and outs unless we bring on an expert ourselves.
0: So how many ideas do you know approximately now uh, at any given time?
1: So now that I'm no longer the sole driving factor of these ideas, when I'm the sole driving factor and without, uh, without the leverage of a co-founder, one, one a year, one every two years, right? Because you mm-hmm. give it your all you give it your passion, unless it, it goes past the point in which you cut it off. Um, but with leverage and segments of the large segments of the company that I can, I can fully entrust to somebody else, I can do three or four or five.
0: So what happens in that, what's the happy path there? Is the happy path that you do for a year, you give it your all, it gets to a certain milestone and you pass it on to someone? Or is the happy path for you that you continue and you scale it quite big?
1: This goes back to the, the, the mountains and the ego and what you want out of life. and happiness, your, your happiness, right? Is your happiness the sale of this company and the money you put in your pocket? Which if that is, sell that baby. I, but uh, as, as you grow big, you want something with your name on it and you want to grow something. Um, maybe you don't want, for me, uh, I don't want something that um, requires all of my time, but I still see the value in it and I still see the growth and it still reinforces me and who I am on a very superficial level. So I keep it, I grow it, and I push it. Uh, if it still has a significant way to go and involves like a significant part of my life, that's that's great too. Uh, and But that's again, that's my road. This is how I break down happiness, right? I break down happiness is you have to have belonging. So you have to have like family and people that you love that surround you. Second is you have to have a mission, a goal, like something that you do. And third, you have to have an identity. You have to identify yourself as something. I mean, we see retired individuals, they're always looking for something to do, whether it's gardening or playing chess in the field. And this is fun, <laughs> this is fun for me. And then, so I would love to be doing this at a, at a for very long into my life, especially um, uh, when you see the results compounding of something versus something that's either stagnating or just running for just to be running.
0: So let's talk a bit more about kind of uh, happiness. So you and I spoke about about Buddhism, Stoicism, and parenting. <laughs> My question to you is, is what can an entrepreneur learn about being a good parent?
1: What can, well, test and iteration will solve everything in the world. <laughs> I swear to that. <laughs> uh, but what can you learn about the good parent? I don't know, man. Startups and parenting are completely different things. Well, that's not true. depends on how you do your startup because um, like in the beginning, I used to demand um, perfection, I used to demand great ideas, great execution. But then I took a couple of novices that had a lot of hustle. And then I just let them just screw up my company for like months at a time. But like, for my kids, like, you try to teach them something, right? Um, and then you expect an outcome the next time? No way. It's like an 18 year, t- like teaching cycle. I, I don't know, I- I'm not an expert at either. and I'd say I'm barely surviving at the parenting thing.
0: Cool. So I had a question for you. Like, Have you ever thought of just setting up a a nice lifestyle business, which generates a couple of million a year, as opposed to a rocket ship that requires external financing to get to a market winning position into a large market?
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, What about you? Uh, Aren't you happy with like uh, all every win that you can get? Absolutely, absolutely,
0: and actually, as a matter of fact, so I'm very inspired by Mailchimp.
1: Yeah, you know
0: the, the story of Mailchimp is these guys have just hustled for like a decade plus, and they they didn't want external financing, and it's a massive company now, but they were just happy what they were doing, right? And another guy who doing like a, fa- a French guy who did a fashion business, and uh, and for about eleven years or so, they hustled it to a certain level, and then at some point they decide, you know what? Actually, we we now have a mission that we think is so powerful. For that mission to be heard everywhere, we need external financing because we need to get the next level. And then they found a family office that came out of a fashion industry that really believed in their mission and they decided to invest significant sums of money in them, but at least keep, the, keep the, their mission, their values of those founders, keep it an extremely founder driven business that didn't require external financing or VC capital afterwards. And to some extent for my core group, that's what inspires me most. The idea that you can you that you search for authenticity as a founder, whether that means getting financing at some point or not, you know, it's up to the founder and and getting to stage where you can really fulfill that mission and not have kind of all this noise of, you know, external financing. Um, So this is kind of what I'm doing with the core group of Slash. And that's I really like that because I find that it's a lot more authentic. Yeah. Along the way, I think we are lacking some discipline. Having to scale a business with external financing forces you to be a lot more disciplined about how you execute. At the same time, I also think it puts you a certain amount of pressure on you, which may or may not always be conducive to being authentic. So in that sense, I, 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 I kind of like what I'm doing. But at the same time, I have a dual, I have a dual track, right? I have my core track with Slash, and then I have the companies we spin off and those spun off companies. They can potentially go for their mission with a v- with for, for VC capital. Actually, some of them did, which gives me the ability to have a rocket ship with that with those subsidiaries, but then with a the, with a mothership, I'm keeping a slightly more steady pace, right? Which gives me kind of more authenticity and more control. So I, I kind of went for a dual track at the moment, which I'm enjoying, but it does come with some uh, you know bipolar patterns, right? Where you sort of you know have to switch gears and you know
1: yeah, it's 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 called the barbell. Um, because yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want anything in the middle, and you have a huge safety net of uh, where you can progress, live and live comfortably, but you have a smaller area where you can rock.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. So the down the downside is essentially uh, guarded for, and the upside is potentially unlimited, right? As a barbell. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's uh, 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 it's called convexity. That's that's what that those should be the options that we pursue the most in life.
0: Absolutely. And so we're we're now on a track to try and 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 do a couple of a couple of potential rock rocket ships a year, uh, if all goes well, which then gives us the ability to have that authenticity on sort of the, the core business, but at the same time, you know, go off and do some fishing expeditions and then see, maybe we're going to struck a whale, right? You better um, talk
1: for those fishing expeditions.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but so how about yourself? Like, So are you, are you structuring your life in such a way or you feel that's not required and you prefer to find rocket ships?
1: Oh, man, this is all personal balance. Uh, no, and uh, like I said earlier, oh, for me, a win's a win. I, 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 I like it. It's uh, even small things are me great joy and happiness. Uh, small victories, making a strong deliverable, going, finding a product market fit. Uh, like those these make me crazy happy.
0: So you and I spoke about about productivity and specifically in the context of having to manage resources and managing your time and managing multiple projects. So what's your philosophy of deep work and of managing people?
1: First of all, manage the people above you, manage the people below you. Uh, the person above you has to look good. Investors, clients, users, they all have to love it. Manage the people below you, uh, know what you expect out of them. Manage them so that they can manage themselves. So understanding yourself and what you do best. Find tools, find resources, leverage Every possible thing you can, so you're getting two x return for one x effort.
0: You, you, I think one, one thing that really struck me, which I thought was kind of interesting when when you and I spoke about this uh, before, was your philosophy of give people a massive amount of empowerment, even if they screw up, because you know that the damage they will do is probably limited, but that if they come out of that come out of the other end, their ability to deliver a lot more value is so much more uh, exponential, and their loyalty towards you as well. So, and that you hope that. If you empower five of them, if only two or three make make it till the end, that already outweighs all the all the negatives of the other two, right? So, how did you kind of establish that that philosophy?
1: Uh, it just happened. Like, um, okay, first of all, they got to hustle. They they got like, to have that in their bones. And secondly, I don't know how to tell this story, but imagine like you took your dad's car out, right, and you crashed it. How sorry and reciprocatory would you be towards your parents uh, and who they were and what they wanted for the next one year, two years? Allowing to do something very bad, like brings out the best in people. Uh, and if thinking back on my life, the times in which I grew significantly as a person and pick an area, don't just say like in general, like in my happiness and my operational like, capability and my ability to communicate with people or in my networking and knowledge, like it's because of a failure. Because of like, oh, or a, a missed opportunity. And then you reflect and you judge upon yourself, be like, how did I miss that? What happened? And then it's the negatives, it's the stressors in life that push you the farthest. It's the, all these things that I'm telling you about, they were, they're not my original ideas. I, I stole them from somebody. And this is from uh, Khalid Nas Nicholas Nassim. Stressors are the things that build you up in life. So the hardships, and be them very minor stressors or very large, I promise you, they're what makes you better incrementally by leaps and bounds. So yeah, let somebody. Give somebody that trust. Make sure you know what's, they know what's expected of them, but let them take gamble. They're going to say something outrageous. I'm going to be able to achieve this project in a fraction of the time. I'm going to bring in this level of business by this time. And then if they fail, make sure they're better after that. If no, and they're still inflated, then uh, you took a shot and they missed it.
0: Well, Tommy, this is a great chat. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for listening. If you found this discussion valuable and don't want to miss any future episodes, go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, search for the VP Map Podcast and subscribe.